Happy Friday, Story Fam. I hope you've had a wonderful week so far. And if you live in or around Houston, I hope you've had a chance to go outside and enjoy this chamber of commerce weather we've been having. It has been spectacular. I want to personally thank all of you for your support in my book, Scripture and the Skeptic. Uh, It's been now two months since it was released, two and a half months since it was released. And uh, I'm really thrilled with uh, the feedback I've gotten and just knowing that it's getting out there to more and more people all the time. It just makes me happy, makes it uh, feel like it was all worth it. (laughs) Uh, If you've been able to finish reading it, I hope you found it challenging and inspiring to your journey of faith. If you do have a moment, I'd love it if you'd please head over to Amazon where you can leave a review uh, or at least a five-star rating so that that Bezos algorithm will uh, maybe push our book more in front of uh, more shoppers online and uh, and get it seen by more people. That's really one of the best ways to help uh, that project out. So I'd really personally appreciate it. Thank you so much to all of you who already have done that. It really makes a difference. Now, in case you haven't heard yet, all of our Sunday services at both campuses of the Story Church are open, uh, wide open for in-person worship again. Pre-registration, the RSVP system, no longer a thing, no longer required to attend. All you got to do is show up. So if you're feeling ready to get back in the groove um, when it comes to in-person worship, I would love to see you this Sunday morning at River Oaks at any of our three services or at our Timber Grove campus at our 945 service. It would be great to see you. Finally, the last little update announcement is one week from today, one week from tonight, actually, Friday night, April 30th, is Outdoor Trivia Night at, at the Story Timber Grove out front uh, on the big patio lawn. These have been so much fun, and I'm enjoying writing some of the questions and uh, picking categories. <laughs> We're just having the greatest time with this, and if you haven't uh, been to one yet, I would really encourage you to check it out. It's all outdoors. It includes some uh, some food that's available for purchase and uh, some beverages as well. Really good time. So uh, next Friday night, April 30th at 6.30 out at our Timber Grove campus, 8200 Washington Avenue. All right, so here's, uh, here's this Friday's reflection. It's about busyness and our sense of self-worth and how those things can be so easily uh, intertwined. I'm feeling mostly grateful and mostly optimistic as we all begin to live again at our own pace. At the same time, I do have some concerns as life is beginning to get back to normal, quote unquote, as awful as the past year has been with the shutdowns and the pandemic and everything. I'm not sure our pre-pandemic normal was all rainbows and sunshine. I remember many of us feeling perpetually exhausted and stressed pre-COVID. And as things begin to open up again, it's becoming clearer to me that we haven't quite learned our lesson when it comes to boundaries and busyness. And unless we choose to do life differently, we will find ourselves back in that pressure cooker we called life before the pandemic. So... How can we act now to change course before it's too late? I think it all begins with the way that we think. I think our thoughts, our theology drives everything. So most of us have been conditioned, I think, fine-tuned to think about our lives in a transactional way. The more I do, we tell ourselves, the better my life will be. And this is also the way that religion works. Uh, As a matter of fact, The universal religious mantra could be, the more good things I do for God and other people, the more good things will come my way. The more good things will happen to me. 
But as we'll see in this week's reflection, this transactional way of thinking is the road to hardship and hell, and it must be avoided at all costs. The author of the biblical book of Hebrews sheds some light on this subject by offering hope to overburdened, overextended people like us. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, when the writer of Hebrews says works, they'll rest from their works, he uses the word that refers to Jewish religious practice, uh, which was basically going to temple, giving money to the priests, making offerings to God. Those works were supposed to make you right with God. That's what all religions are about. That's what all religious people believe. But here's the thing about religious works. No matter how much you do, it's never enough. A religion based on works is a recipe for unrest. Because let's say you've got a problem. You know, your wife is sick, your goat is infertile or whatever. Uh, So you go to the temple, you make an offering. And when you get home, your wife has a few good days, your goat I don't takes a lover or whatever, I don't know. But a week later, your wife starts feeling bad again and your goat's still not pregnant. So what do you have to do then? You have to go back to the temple to make another offering, maybe a larger offering, because clearly the one that you made wasn't enough. God's still upset with you or something, so you need to try to win him over again. There's more to be done, more works, more offering, more religion. It's a never-ending cycle of unrest It's a performance and a transaction. So the author here in Hebrews draws a distinction between religion and the gospel of Jesus. He does that by examining the differences between the priests of religion and the priesthood of Jesus. And there it is from Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, because uh, because I'm a, a pastor, people occasionally mistake me for a priest, especially folks that were raised Catholic. And one time after church, this guy said to me, I chose not to receive communion because I'm divorced, Father. And I must have cringed in disgust when he said it because next he said, I know, Father, I know divorce is a sin. I said, no, man, no, that's not what I'm cringing about. That's not it. Uh, Just please don't ever call me father again. There's a difference between pastors and priests. Pastors shouldn't be called father except by their own kids, and priests are called father all the time. Pastors teach, inspire, and mobilize our congregations. And a priest does all of that as well, but he also serves as an intermediary between God and the people. He speaks to God for the people, and he speaks to the people for God. 
Now, in the Bible times, for generations, the priests kept up appearances. Because if you're speaking for God and to God, you should at least try to embody uh, perfection. Or if you're not embodying perfection, fake it. You know, And there's a lot of projection going on in the priesthood. They project perfection on the outside because their jobs depended on the illusion of perfection. So they couldn't really be real with people. They couldn't party with people. They couldn't be authentic about or vulnerable about their sin. They couldn't confess to their own struggles. But Jesus never pretended or projected. Jesus didn't have to keep up appearances. Jesus said, in a sense, yeah, I've been tempted. Yeah, I drink wine. Yeah, I've spent time with prostitutes. Yes, I've been to parties. Yes, I cried when my friend died. Yes, I was afraid of being crucified. Because Jesus' perfection is authentic, Jesus was free to be perfectly authentic with us. Whereas priests want to look perfect externally while they're a mess on the inside like the rest of us, Jesus didn't care what he looked like externally because he was genuinely perfect within. And one of the key differences between priests and Jesus is what they require of us. Priests will always want more from you. They'll always ask more from you. Jesus only wants more of you. And he'll only ask for more of you. Priests want more works from you. Jesus wants more rest for you. Priests hope you fear God. Jesus hopes you trust him. Jesus wants more of you to rest more in him because you trust him more each day. And this to me is really kind of what prayer means for those who follow Jesus. And I know that prayer is a big mystery to a lot of people because we don't know how to pray or what to say or if it makes any difference. Listen, prayer shouldn't be complicated, really. It shouldn't be a chore or an obligation or just one more thing to do. Prayer is more of you resting more in him, trusting him more. Prayer is rest. To pray is to acknowledge that it's not all up to you, you're not in control, that you're not a machine. Prayer is to acknowledge you are a child of God and to acknowledge that your Father loves you even when you're inconvenient to Him, even when you couldn't care less about Him. He loves you and He died to be loved by you. How often, though, do we sit in our fears in our worries and in our doubts, treating God like a stranger. And I imagine in those times God looking at us and shaking his head and asking, can't they see what I've done for them? In our frustration, we act as if God could never understand what it's like to be us. We think or maybe even say out loud, God, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I'm up against. You don't know what a jerk my boss is, what it's like to go to work where I work, what it's like to go home where I live. You don't know what it's like to be as deep and dead as I am. You don't know how hot the anger is inside me. You don't know how hateful some people have been to me or what I've been through. You have no idea what a mess I've made of things. You don't know what I'm going through down here. And that's the mindset that a lifetime of impersonal, transactional, religious thinking will earn us a God who is so powerful 
that the only thing he's incapable of is empathy for our situation. But according to the gospel, that's not who God is. For in Christ Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Amen. Story fam, I hope you have a great weekend. And of course, I hope to see you this Sunday morning at either of our campuses. I love you all so much. Bye, everybody.